0: Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast, looking at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, and sometimes just not doing that at all. This September, myself and Andrew are going back to school. We are taking a look at the five films on the Irish Leaving sir curriculum that we have not yet covered. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew?
1: I get no respect. No respect. <laughs> I'm going back to school,
0: Darren um we we do appreciate a rodney dangerfield reference that was that was your other big idea you came to me in like august or so i came to me in like june july and we're like andrew darren i have two pitches we're doing a back to school season it can either be the leaving sir curriculum or the films of rodney dangerfield and i think i chose wisely but joining us for for this discussion for this season for these five episodes, this being the fourth of five episodes, the fantastic Connor Murphy, how are you connor
2: I'm good. I've been practicing my teacher looks all day in the mirror, the raised <laughs> eyebrow, the double eyebrows, the furrowed <laughs> eyebrow, the smirk the elvis lip, but I've decided I'm gonna do the um what's it blue steel? So if they're making noise behind me as I'm writing on the board, I just turn around, give a blue steel. <laughs> and I reckon that should freak them out enough that they'll be, just be silent for a good 30 minutes as they try to work out what's going on. So I'll be practising like that all day. proper pout.
1: Well, they, uh-huh. lis- l- listeners can't see this, but <laughs>
2: this is smouldering. <laughs> all day long, practising.
0: Enough to stop a paper ball in midair, were it to be <laughs> thrown by an unruly student in the back of the class. Um and we are joined today by a very special guest, um, a writer, director, a lecturer, uh, the fantastic Natasha Waugh. How are you, Natasha?
3: Hello, I'm good. Thanks for having me.
0: No, Our, our pleasure. Now- Great to have you. Now, um, listeners, again, we're, we're not sure if listeners are going to jump into this kind of mid-season and be like, I want to sample just one of these episodes. But what we are doing for these five weeks in September is we are covering the five films on the Irish Leaving Cert curriculum. Or we're covering five of the eight films on the Irish Leaving Cert curriculum, having previously covered the Shawshank Redemption, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Knives Out separately. Now, the Leaving Cert exam is the exam that Irish students sit on on leaving secondary school, it's usually prerequisite to get into college, and it is something of a cultural touchstone. So, Natasha, do you remember what you studied in your English leaving cert exam for the comparative text, which would include the film section, or could include the film section?
3: Oh yeah. So, when I did my leaving, it was twenty thirteen when I stu- when I sat it. Uh, oh no, sorry, not twenty thirteen. God, sorry, Jesus, twenty ten. <laughs> 2013 I graduated from UCD, 2010 uh, was when I did the leaving and we studied Billy Elliot which actually is a pretty good text I think it's like it's very engaging and it's easy to watch and it's it's a fun watch and I'd seen it before um, so I was quite happy to, to look at it again but I do remember it not being taught very well through the lens through which we had to, to, to learn it and that's no disrespect to my teacher I feel kind of bad sliding it, but she, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people in the class felt the same way, but she always, she, I remember her, her saying to me afterwards, when I went to UCD to study film, she was like, yeah, English teachers are always a bit sus when it comes to film studies. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, not for yourself down. We used to talk about films, but, uh, I know Connor, Connor is a, a stellar film studies, uh, English teacher. Well, I often follow you on Twitter, Connor, and I'm always so glad to see all the stuff that you're reading, your students. I thought I was, I mean, like, I would have loved a teacher like you if I was when I was in secondary school.
2: Twitter is, is a facade, as we all know. <laughs> that is a Twitter, Murph. My, going to my students and I tell them, quiet, sit, stay. And they say, you're nothing like Twitter, sir. You're so nice on Twitter. Do, Shut do up.
0: You, do you wrap them on the nose with a rolled up newspaper? <laughs> um. Twitter
2: won't be on the exam. <laughs> yeah, Twitter won't be on the exam I say as I hit them on the nose with the rolled up newspaper
3: <laughs> I, I was going to say like I, I will say like it was it was kind of nice to have that introduction to, to film studies in some way like I didn't really necessarily go in blind to UCD but it was just like relearning but I did have one English teacher I had two English teachers that um, were really good with film but I only had them in like transition year I think in fifth, fourth and fifth year um, and like one of them let me DVDs and stuff Like I remember the first time I saw Serpico, the first time I saw Rear Window, which is to this day like one of my favorite films ever. And one of the pieces of homework we had to do from this particular English teacher when I was in transition year was that we had to write a script for homework. So that to me was like a massive formative moment at 16. (laughs) Um, Wow. It wasn't all bad.
0: And Rear Window has been on the English curriculum here. I know because I put together a spreadsheet like the coolest kid in the class. Uh, Rear Window was actually on the curriculum for 2017, 2018 and 2019. So not bad at all. Yeah, it's
2: great. It's a great film to teach, actually.
3: Mm.
2: It's a great film to teach for their second viewing. It's a shame we couldn't do one on that because on the first viewing, they're getting used to what it looks like and they're getting used to the, the film and the film language and all that kind of stuff. But then the second and third viewing, because they watch it a lot in my classes, uh, they're starting to laugh at it and they're into the jokes and they get getting the illusions and then they're spotting things and, and, and they're really getting into it. It was, a, it's, it was a great, great film to teach. The only bit that, that never landed properly was him falling out the window at the end. That's the only bit. The special effects, are just, the, all the rest of it, they got on board with every other part of it apart from that bit. But I allow them that.
0: They, they get a warning for that, not a nose tap. <laughs> we are talking uh, today about the 2015 Turkish language, uh, French-German-Turkish co-production Mustang, directed by Denise Gamzi Erguven, uh, and I apologize for, for mangling that. Um, and before we jump and talk about the film in the context of the English Living Curriculum, Natasha, do you remember the first time you saw Mustang?
3: Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, I was at the Belfast Film Festival and I saw it then in their opening gala. Um, I was up there because one of my films was being screened at the festival, and um I'd gone up with like I'd co-directed something, and I went up with the co-director, and we um we sat and watched it, and it was amazing. It really took me by surprise because I hadn't I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know it existed, and all I knew is that we were going to see some film, going to the opening gala of the festival, and we were watching some film called Mustang, and it blew me away. And the audience was great. The audience laughed it up. They loved it. um They laughed and they cried, and like was very engaged. Viewing experience—it's
0: great. Uh, We should note, by the way, like Mustang is a formative film in terms of like you know twenty ten cinema. Um, It was nominated for the Best Foreign Film Oscar at the Academy Awards. It was the French submission there, which is a story we will probably get into. This was the year which was just a huge year for international cinema. Paddy Brennock's Viva, um, to reference Rosie, a a kind of a movie we discussed earlier in the season, made the shortlist for the Best Foreign Film Award that year. It was the year that Embrace the Serpent was nominated as well, and the year that Son of Saul won. So that is, that is an incredibly strong lineup, I think, of non-English language cinema at the Oscars. Um, also, Mustang, uh, to bring it kind of closer to home and to bring an Irish frame of reference into it, it did win Best Film at the Dublin International Film Festival in 2016 as well. Um, it was by the Dublin Film Critics Circle as well. So it's a, it was a very well-received film uh, internationally and in Ireland uh, as well. And Connor, I think this is an interesting one because we have covered three films so far. We've covered Rosie, we've covered Lady Bird, we've covered Diego Maradona. I believe this may be the first one that you have taught. Am I correct in making that assumption?
2: Uh, yes, I taught it to two different year groups and um, they both loved it. Boys and girls, I teach in a co-ed school. and they, It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic film to teach. It's just so wonderful. We might get into the various topics later on. And might hit on how the students interact with them, but uh in 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 light of uh recent abuse I got on Twitter for supporting people <laughs> from a certain section of uh, Twitter I got a lot of, if they if they'd actually sat down and watched this film they, they they'd be given out about it, and I'm very happy that they would be as well because it's just fantastic it's there's loads of, so anyway there's loads in it, and I loved teaching it.
0: Mm. It, it entered the curriculum uh, for the 2020, sorry, the 2022 uh, Leaving Cert. So it came in the same year that Rosie came in, and it came in the same year that Ladybird came in. It came in, I believe, the year before Diego Maradona. um, And it, so you've taught it, and it, it's gone relatively well. um Andrew, were you aware of this movie at all before we decided that we were going to do this?
1: I was not aware of this movie at all. I'm the the like I take my role very seriously as the Philistine of the pod. So I I yeah, I I kind of I I didn't think that this was gonna be a movie about a car. But I did think that maybe it would be (laughs) Like Gran
0: Torino. You thought you were (laughs) expecting like a a kind of like a foreign language version of Gran Torino.
1: I I ended up watching Mustang G T. <laughs> um you, you um, did text no. the
0: group to make sure you watched the right movie which I did appreciate <laughs> I did
1: I did I, I was like We have had
0: incidents in the past 2015
1: yes. yeah yeah I watched two versions of that Japanese movie what was it called again Harry Kiri Harry Kiri yeah yeah exactly watched the
0: the um Takeshi Mike version um, yeah tough <laughs>
2: <laughs> Great films though
1: Yeah Great yeah films. Absolutely, it's just that the the, the, the Keshi mic like the you have to kind of be ready for that. Like it really bummed me out. Um, yeah. Anyway, no is the answer. I I okay. I was um, I won't say blissfully unaware, but um, like sadly ignorant. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, all is right my, then, and I is my audio really bad? It's. Sorry, listeners won't know because hopefully they'll be listening to a much better version of it. But um, is it is it really bad? Because I might change it if, if if it is.
0: I'll defer to Natasha and Connor on that. One. It
2: it is tinny.
3: Not great, name, but we can hear you. Hear okay. what you're saying.
0: It it does sound like you are down the bottom of like a, a a tin of some course, like not a well, but a well made out of tin
2: with no dog coming to help you. Okay,
1: yeah, no, maybe, maybe like a reservoir. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Maybe I'll change it when we when we get to the kind of... Um... The, the
0: spoiler zone. All right. Look, Perfect. as long as you don't, like, mess with your local recording, and as long as I don't have to, like, splice together the backup tinny down the bottom of a tin well recording into the middle of this episode, we should be fine. And what are the odds of that actually <laughs> happening, you know? Uh,
1: right.
0: Yeah, cool. All right, and... So I guess then three questions kind of to to get us started. So I think, Connor to go first. Do you think Mustang belongs on the Leaving Cert English curriculum?
2: Yes. I I always go through the kind of list. Is it a good, well-made film? Absolutely. Will it engage the audience? Absolutely. Uh, For me and my own little bits, will it they have seen it before? Probably not. Will it open up more films to them? Absolutely. Will it create a good discussion? And a bit of hopeful controversy and discomfort in the class in a good way. Absolutely. So it ticks all the boxes for me. This is, this is one of the, the best texts to, fill, to teach of all texts, including poetry, novels, all those, everything. Okay. It's perfect.
0: I guess we kind of, we talked about a little bit with Rosie, um, but I guess this is some, a movie where it really stuck with me, which is like, if you are teaching this text, you are living with it for a year. You are going to watch it multiple times in the classroom over the year. Your students are going to watch it multiple times outside the classroom. This is, a, in many ways, a somewhat heavy text. Is that something that, like, as a teacher, potentially teaching this weighs on you?
2: There's two, there are two bits of the film, and I was watching it again recently, obviously, for this. So in my class, they would watch it. I've seen it over the two years between five and six times, depending on the situation. About five or six times over two years. So it's been out of my class between 10 and 12 times. And I watched it again there yesterday. Um, and there are two bits. There's the, the whole, the, the, uh, the, the virginity and the sex stuff, I suppose, I suppose you could call it. And then there's the suicide. And, there's, and I would tackle those differently. The sex stuff is tackled head on because that's the reality of life. Let's get on with it. We're discussing this, all of that. No problem whatsoever. Discomfort in the class, that's your problem. That's not my problem. Off we go. Because they're 17 or 18. And then there's the suicide, though, is a different matter. That's where, and that has changed. I've been teaching for 20-odd years, and this is something that has changed in my teaching, and I talk to colleagues as well. It's changed in all of our teaching in a positive way, in that you gonna, you have to give them a heads up. And you have to also, I'm, I'm only an English teacher, so I'm not a qualified psychologist or psychiatrist or anything like that or therapist. So I tell them that this is going to be in the text, how I do now. And I tell them it's going to be in, and there's no discussion there's no discussion Going to happen in this class In regards to the merits Or demerits Of the act So nobody is going to Is allowed to say The usual That you hear sometimes From from people Oh they're cowards Stuff like that I, I feel that Even now talking to you I feel difficult <laughs> Verbalising the stuff yeah. So it's so I said, I'm not qualified to do this. Is it if you've got a problem, you come to me and you can talk to me? So, in the old days, they'd be able to they'd knock on the door if they have an issue, um, or else they'd be able to these days, they can because they, they we're on on teams that a lot of people are aware of, so they can send me a chat, or even sometimes I have other colleagues that are friends of the, the students that sent a chat. And um, also, it, 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 I might know, usually, we know the makeup of the class, and I might kind of highlight it to the guidance counselor, etc., a little depending on the situation. But that's the only that is a difficult thing to kind of navigate, especially these days. But, you know, because everybody we all have, we all know somebody who has been involved, who has maybe died of suicide or have had suicidal tendencies. It's it, it's 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 in the community. It's everywhere. We've all experienced it. Most of us have experienced it. Most of the class will have experienced uh, know of it in some way. Sometimes I know specific students might have it way back in years gone by. I might have known um, so that's the thing that highlights. Apart from that, um, it's off we go.
3: That's really interesting, Connor, because we like we talk about trigger warnings in UCD, kind of amongst ourselves, and and like how to how to kind of when, how it went to to kind of put them up. You know, that's interesting.
2: What's uh, this? This is this is the this is there. There's one fault English, as, as you all know, because we've all we've all sat in the class. It hits on everything. Yeah. it's in every single aspect of our lives, from philosophy to, in this case, kind of sexuality and sex and suicide and depression. But at the end of the day, I'm just an English teacher. I, I don't have any qualifications in order how to, to deal with this in any real way or how to bring it up. I've never been taught that. And it is one definite area that I think I think it does in general need to be looked at for teachers across the board. But especially teachers who would teach subjects. I know, for instance, that in a subject like SPHE, social personal health education, that they would get there getting special training on teaching um, relationships and sexuality education, relationships, sex education. I would like to, to officially from the department get some get some training on how to deal with these issues in the class and how to just even how to introduce them and then how to I know how to. I know how to steer a student who comes to me. I know what to do with that. But I'd like to know at the beginning, but like, uh, for instance, um, teaching Julius Caesar, there are two suicides in Julius Caesar. And it's all done very honourably and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I would like to know, is what I'm doing enough or do I need to do more? Have I done something wrong? That's the big thing in the back of my head. I'm going, Jeannie, is, is this what you're supposed to do? Have you done enough? Have you done something wrong? Have you, you no know, damaged something? Um, or somebody, or upset them.
1: Yeah,
2: you know. Um, and there's nothing as a teacher. You, you and I have upset students in the past. Twenty five years teaching is going to happen, mm. but it's not something I I, I want to happen. Yeah, it's not st- something I've, I potentially do.
3: Mm. It's hard. It's really tricky. It is like I've taught material for classes that I've structured myself, or material that you know has been prescribed by the module coordinators. And like, for example. So I taught history of television for three years and um one of the um one of the texts that they did for the nineteen eighties because the the a lot of the stuff is based in the States is there was uh, an episode of the Cosby show and um <clears throat> you know the their the, the marginal coordinator, she was she's an amazing kind of uh, academic and she would always kind of explain, you know, why Cosby is so significant in the history of American television. But you know bringing it into a smaller kind of tutorial or seminar where we were kind of talking about it or is it talking about it within the context of academic um material was interesting and um I don't think anybody ever made kind of any ever came up or, or, or emailed anyone about it uh, but certainly that changed this year and we were shown she she got people to watch it like a documentary episode an episode of a documentary show about him instead which went into his significance but also like why he was, like, what he's, basically what his legacy is now, which is something really awful, obviously.
0: This feels almost trillish, and I'm very hesitant to kind of bring it up because there's a lot of nonsense around trigger warnings. I think they're entirely necessary and logical and rational. The question I have is if you are teaching something around art um, and the idea of exploring a text. And you mentioned specifically the suicide in this movie, it is a moment that I think is meant to be shocking and startling and sudden, particularly in the way that it is presented and filmed. Is there a concern with regards to the impact of the art or undermining the impact of the art in having these discussions before the consumption or before the experience of it? Is that, is that a concern or is that a discussion? Is that something that's brought up? Um, Natasha or Connor, you both teach that. I'm just curious about this. Sorry.
3: Um, I think, uh, So I taught, uh, women's authorship in American cinema, um, a year, a couple of years ago. And, uh, we, one of the weeks we taught Black Swan and there's like the main character, Nina has a eating disorder and they're, and self she self harms, self harms as well. And it was just like the course document that everybody gets and is on Brightspace, which is like this kind of domain that the all the students have access to and have a profile to. It was just there, you know. So it was there. So it was kind of up to them to have seen that, I think. And I, I don't remember if it came up again. I think perhaps uh, the coordinator did bring it up just once. And then that was, excuse me, that was up to them to sort of take that on but like at the same time we're teaching people who are grown adults in a very independent yes. setting so it's it's sort of yeah I feel like university might be different you might have a very different answer to this like it's it's hard to it's hard to answer that question I think in some ways because time is the way things are but yeah. I hear exactly what you're saying for sure like are we taking something away from it before we've even started studying it you know
2: you are sorry I interrupted you yeah, no you're fine <laughs> You are taking something away Yeah yeah. yeah you are uh, I know I, I definitely didn't give them any trigger warning The first time I I, I, I taught it uh, What about that Four or five years ago I, I know I didn't I don't know if I did the second time But It would be a concern Am I taking something away But at the same time uh, You're balancing that out with yeah. Far more important things Yeah, you yeah. Know, Because it is shocking But also it happens towards the It happens in the latter part of the film And I think That If I say Look I'm a teacher, They're going to th- they listen to the trigger warning at the beginning. So who's going to like the person most affected by the trigger warning will have listened to the trigger warning. Most of the other class will have forgotten I even said it. So by the time it gets to it, most of the class will, ha- will still be shocked. Um, and those that had that, that, that it might affect if will still be prepared. Yeah. So I th- I th- that would be the answer. But to answer the question on a fundamental level. Yeah, yeah, it it does. It it takes away from the impact of, of one. You're taking away from impact of a, a big part of that particular film. But um, I don't. Yeah, it it does. But I think it's the, in, the balance. Of things it's for the good. Yeah,
0: and particularly I think Natasha said you are dealing with we are dealing with se- with secondary school kids here in particular.
3: Yeah,
1: I suppose it's yeah it's a, it's a question as well as of if you've say like the example you gave where it's on kind of the. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, Brightspark, Brightspark, or, or Brightspace, or say, Brightspace. yeah, or SpriteSpace or um, Moodle, or whatever it is, you know, where it's available there for students to access it. Then it's kind of like their responsibility. And you've you've you're, you've kind of said, I suppose it's not my responsibility for them to kind of check for for trigger warnings. It's there for them if. If it's like helpful for them, but then I I guess do do I suppose then do you get the kind of like students who are who are who who feel that it, it it that that it was your responsibility and that's it being kind of available is like a different thing to it being like presented to them I don't know.
3: Yeah. And like, I think like that curriculum document, I think most students just skim through it (laughs) anyway. Sure. Um, Unless they're getting like, obviously there is like this information there and stuff they should be reading. But, you know, in general, I mean, there's probably a lot of people skipping through it. So uh, yeah, totally. And I think, you know, we've, we've, when we talked about that in in meetings and UCD and stuff, we've kind of just said it it, it really is up to them, you know, it is their responsibility Mm. at the end of the day, but also, you know, one thing that one of my colleagues brought up was that, you know, these films that they're being prescribed are all on IMDb. There is descriptors on IMDb. There's parental controls, or like parental notes and stuff like that and supervisory notes. So, yeah. you know, there's that. And as Connor said, you know, talking about the suicide there are things that are meant to be shocking and confronting i mean i taught cachet to first years a few years ago mm. when i first started working in ucd and i don't remember if there was if there was a warning a trigger warning because obviously there's very shocking suicide and that i think there probably was but you know it's an interesting conversation i think to have you know as, as educators i think it is just neat need, it needs to be had you know for better or worse
2: and you've just done it darren we're not in the spoiler zone. I, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, and we're, we're obviously not going
0: to cut this out. I, once, once you brought it up, once you brought it up, it was like, okay, it's a
2: new segment of the
1: show. Uh, tri- the, the trigger warning it comes before the spoiler zone.
0: Well, we we haven't we have in the past, like before we've gone in when we when you get to the would you recommend this movie? Yes, yeah, we have. We do typically flag that if there are things that are particularly heavy. We, we-
1: yeah, we can sometimes be kind of cagey about it um, yeah. about what we're kind of. Talking about, but generally we kind of like, you know, if if uh, the, you know that 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 we suggest that people kind of maybe
0: um, approach with caution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but Natasha, what about yourself? Do you think that Mustang belongs on the Leaving Cert curriculum?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I was delighted to see it up there. Um, you know, Billy Elliot was uh, Billy Elliot was a really fun text, but I I do find that, you know, I personally you know, as a young woman would have loved to have had Mustang on there because there's so many different ages and there's so many, there's like a really distinct kind of lens through which we're we're looking at kind of gender politics and patriarchal standards within a very particular context. And it's really funny. It's got a female director and yeah, it's, I mean, that's just from my point of view, but I, I love to see, and I was thinking a lot about this, this question that I, because I know you kind of sent it on beforehand, is, was thinking about like how nice it is to have a story that feels universal, that feels really accessible and interesting and engaging, but that is something, you know, for the, that people can, that kind of, I would imagine, you know, 17, 18, 19 year olds can still engage with happily and that feels like maybe even something that they can relate to. And just to open their own worlds up a little bit and broaden their own horizons on seeing a story that would, is like contemporary and would, doesn't feel so so I suppose unusual that can still feel familiar and really lovable as well there's there's lots to there's lots about the characters that are just so lovable although it is very bittersweet towards the end it's um you know there's there's so there's so much warmth about Mustang it's very um captivating film I think um it's very charming and I think it's uh I think it's it has a it's it's a wonderful text to have on the leaving I'm delighted that students get to study it and
0: actually that's a good point about like the universality and the specificity of it. Um Connor, I like again, I've just compiled a list of the *Leaving third films since 2010. But are non-English language movies that common? I
2: every year every every list has a has a foreign language film. I don't know the real reason why. I can't find out. Um I think it might be got something got to do with subtitles, but that doesn't really make sense at the beginning when it when it all came back out in 2010 you know, back in 99, whatever, when the when it came out first, people were saying they were on because of subtitles. Um, but that didn't make sense because you could put subtitles on DVDs. So I, I don't actually know. But is, is this
0: because you were literally reading the film? Was that yeah. the argument that like yeah. you were yeah. reading the film in a very yeah. literal, the most literal sense it was imaginable?
2: Back in the olden times, <laughs> and it drove me nuts, teachers would get the screenplays and just teach the screenplay. Yeah, that's how they used to do it. Because you have to remember, teachers, uh, like Natasha said, teachers didn't know anything, a lot of them still don't. Film studies is not their thing. What? And they just saw it as, as a little break from teaching, from proper teaching.
1: What so is they, this? So what
2: I was familiar with was the screenplay. So that's what they did. What is this witchcraft?
0: Painting <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> with light. I don't, <laughs> like, don't
2: like it. <laughs> you, had, you had wonderful films like... I'm being sarcastic in case <laughs> <You had> awful <laughs> films like Cinema Paradiso, Il Postino oh god some of the ones over the years were just dreadful they were really <laughs> really they were dreadful um, um, but Mustang's brilliant
0: I I did like that there was a while where there was like the Kenneth Branagh slot on the Leaving Sir Curriculum, where it was just a movie directed by Kenneth Branagh. It was like, as you like it, much ado about nothing. Or the Tom Hooper slot, which they seem to have given up with Cats, unfortunately. I was really disappointed to see that they didn't continue from the King's Speech into Les Miserables into
2: Cats. But uh, but such is like... To, to, think, to think he was like the go-to director. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and you know the Kenneth Branagh thing is because, again, at the beginning... They had to have a Shakespeare play on. Yeah. For years, <laughs> they had to have a Shakespeare play on because I think the thinking behind there is a little bit more. Well, I had Richard
0: the as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think that it's a bit more logical having the Shakespeare because they wanted everybody to study Shakespeare. So they thought, look, we throw a Shakespeare film on. At least that way, they'll have even the or- <laughs> even the ordinary level kids it was that kind of patronizing idea so i'm going to go on a rant so i'm going to stop and continue with the next question Um, i i I do love
0: by the way that you have given me the mental image of like studying a play in secondary school where it's like if it happens to be that there's a stage show version of it the class goes on a class trip i love the idea of like reading mustang and waiting for a like repertoire kind of like cinema screening yeah you can take the entire (laughs) class to trip over to like france (laughs) to see it in like a boutique cinema
1: they could just watch The Lion King or Ten Things I Hate About You or you know some <laughs> something kind those,
0: of those classic Shakespeare adaptations. Yeah,
1: uh, vaguely Shakespearean. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Oh, Josh Hartnett and Julia Stiles in O. Um, all right, so Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think Mustang belongs on the Leaving Sir curriculum?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I I agree with with um, with everything people have said. It it it, it is a beautiful, funny um movie it's got tremendous performances which are it's difficult to find kind of well it can be uh difficult to 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 find you know good performances by by young people by children and this has so many
0: are you ready for the real shocker here um hit me only one of them is a professional actor Wow! Only one of those five children is a professional actor.
1: The rest of them um, are like physicists, and <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I,
0: they, they were—they're were all kind of just found by Lana wandering around. There's a great story that I think Erguven um, tells about like finding one of the kids at a Parisian airport. And, like, just finding her at baggage handling and tapping her on the shoulder and saying, hey, would you like to be in this movie? Because the logic was that they had hired one of them um, as a professional actor, and then the the other four needed to look like her. So it was like, we've done the hard part, now we just need to build a family with an uncanny resemblance. So when you're wandering around Paris or Ankara or Istanbul, just see somebody and tap them on the shoulder and ask if they want to be in a movie.
1: yeah. And they they're kind of like I I'm just visiting. <laughs> I, I don't have <laughs> enough days really to to record an entire movie. Sorry.
0: Well, um, well no, yeah. like yes, yeah. She was she was basically she was it was uh, Tugba Srugungoli who is the who plays Selma. She was found at the baggage claim of Charles de Gaulle Airport, um, which is is quite impressive. So yeah. So in terms of like recognizing those young performances, just, it's l- she
1: was, it sounds like she was left over at the end of the day or something <laughs> <laughs> she found a baggage claim <laughs> and no one had claimed her
2: i'm just I'm just glad that they didn't that I'm not an actor and they had to find people who looked like me and no, 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 he's not where the where are all the handsome guys gone?
1: <laughs> well you you you'd find you'd find a lot of a lot of men who look like you uh, on on flights coming to and from Turkey. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, just maybe with your moustache. Yeah, I mean. exactly. With the with the with
1: the surgery scars and the, yeah. Sorry, it's it's oh hap- it's happening to me too.
2: <laughs> I just got what you said, by the way. Sorry, yeah.
1: sorry. Yeah. I be- Darren uh, too, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. Just to um, share it. <laughs> I beg your yes.
0: pardon. Yes. Um for myself i think controversially no um and it's it's frustrating because i i kind of i like what mustang represents i think it's great to have a non-english language movie on the list i think it's great to have a movie directed by women by a woman for women on the list as well i think it's nice to have a coming of age story that's aimed at young girls we've talked about how there's a ubiquity of those movies aimed at young boys but there is something that kind of sits a little uncomfortably with me for Mustang. I saw it at the Dublin International Film Festival and we talked about this a bit when we talked about Rosie. Um, how I am sometimes quite sceptical about, say, portrayals of poverty, particularly in American independent cinema. Um, and this idea of like who this film is being made for and kind of what the target audience is for a film like this. And I felt like watching Mustang, I had this kind of weird feeling that this was a movie that felt like it was kind of more aimed at a Western foreign audience to kind of look at this study of life in Turkey, kind of tut-tut the treatment of women in a, and kind of have a, a kind of a back-patting, kind of wine-sipping reaction to it. Where... And again, this is something that is is quite thorny to talk about. Erguven was was born in Ankara. Um, At six months old, she moved to Paris. She is the daughter of a diplomat. She studied African history in Johannesburg. Uh, She comes from a secular liberal Turkish family. She spent most of her time in Turkey in Ankara. And when the film came out, uh, it was controversial in Turkey. Now, obviously, some of that controversy came from know, stereotypical conservative criticism of it. Let's just disregard that, you know, the kind of that you shouldn't be portraying this stuff in cinema. Let, let's ignore that. There were some criticisms from left-wing and Turkish critics who had worked internationally. Uh, I'm thinking, for example, of uh, Ali Arakan, who was one of Roger Ebert's far-flung correspondents who wrote for RogerEbert.com. Uh, and I'm thinking also of, like, uh, Celine uh and i apologize for for mangling that but who is the chief film critic at the rumpus and there is this argument that this movie is it's a very urban portrayal of rural turkey where it is set um, obviously along the black sea um, and it's set in this very rural very remote community but to the people who are at all familiar with that community it feels very much like an outsider's perspective of it. They speak particularly about like the casting of the young girls who are mostly from Istanbul, Ankara, and Paris, who have accents that are much more... Um, have accents and use slang that is much more urban. Um, the, the comparison that's made is like hearing an SNL Californian accent uh, in a Western is kind of the comparison that's made here. But things like, you know, and again, there's plenty of, like, really small examples that kind of mount up. I think, like, uh, Gasesu points to, for example, one of the older women is named Patek, which is a secular what? contemporary name. Can, um, can so, I
1: interrupt you for a second? Why, why does any of that matter to you? I. Uh,
0: yeah. We've we've talked about this before, but like I I grew up in in Ghana and West Africa, and I remember coming home from Ghana and watching these American movies, these British shows that were set in Africa, and it it not looking or or feeling or having the texture of like what that was actually like, even if it was like shot you, in. You didn't
1: grow up in Trabzon. You're not like kind of those people leaving Calvary saying yeah. that's not how they talk, <laughs> like in Sligo at all. Like, why couldn't they get some people who talk like us? Um, <laughs> you you know what I mean? I, like like I understand why you, you know an exile or a diaspora will will make a movie about you know where they're from and kind of like they have you know something that they want to say about that place and people from the. Uh, plays tend to resent us, like that. That that our kind of some of our best Anglo-Irish authors say, yeah. aren't appreciated where they're from, and now we all want them to come back and be buried in Glasnevin, you know. Okay. Um, and 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 I'm sure they'll feel the same way. Um, ab- 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 about the director when when she's gone, but I I can understand the that kind of criticism coming from the people who make it, but. what what is it for you? Why
0: I? Because when I was sitting down watching this, and again, first time I saw it uh, at the film festival, and in the time I've seen it since, it it feels to me like it is aimed at me. It feels to me like it is aimed at me as a Western liberal audience member to shake my head at these backwards people in the middle of nowhere who are doing this terrible thing to these women. That is not necessarily reflective of what life is actually like in that community but it's just kind of a stereotype of it. It, it Again, it, it just, it felt, it's like that thing, like I mentioned with Rosie, it's like when you watch some of those films about what it is like to be working class and to be poor, you get the sense that it is being portrayed for an audience to consume as outsiders and to shake their heads and to tut tut and to feel like they've done something virtuous by watch. I don't know. It, it's hard to articulate.
1: Are you comparing it to things like um, uh, like Green Book?
0: Yeah, kind of, I guess. That's maybe an extreme example in that Green Book is a much more mainstream, conventional feel-good movie. Uh, the point, I would compare it to something like Kings, right? And this is a very specific, very applicable example, right? Uh, the director of, of this movie, she, as we mentioned, she studied in uh, Johannesburg. She fell in love with film. She studied at Le Fermi uh, in Paris. And while there, her dream project was to write a movie about the 1992 Los Angeles riots. Um, She had not to that point been to Los Angeles. She had only experienced it through television. She wrote the script. She could not get any funding for it. So she shifted to write Mustang and got that made through support from the French film industry. Again, notable that this movie was submitted by France to the Academy Awards, not by Turkey. But she eventually, through the success of this, got to make kings now kings is a movie where i am not american i am not from los angeles but i have absorbed enough american pop culture and i also know a lot of americans and have read a lot of americans criticisms of it that when i sit down and watch that movie it it feels like it's the work of somebody who doesn't necessarily understand what they're depicting
1: and that... it
0: feels like an outsider's perspective and yeah, it, i felt but... it's the same way watching this I think that
1: that can work well in in some kind of context, like say something like Paris, Texas. Sorry, Natasha was going to say something. Sorry, sorry.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I guess. No, I haven't seen Kings. I haven't seen. I know. Me and Connor are just like. I can see Connor being like. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry, (laughs) sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. No, it's fine. I just, I, I actually think you, if you're watching it and think that it's just about how terrible it is that these girls are being put into arranged marriages. I think you've missed most of the really amazing parts of this film. And it's, for me, it's not just about that. And I think, personally, your, I personally think that what you've told me, like, I hear what you're saying. And I, I came across that myself and I was reading stuff about it and, you know, how it was poorly, partially poorly received in Turkey, and I think she talked about how she didn't like Midnight Express, for example. Yes. yes it's bad, but bad I, I, I don't think it's as bad as that. And I think we should give her some credit as well, because she talks about how it was the experience of other generations within um, her life. And I think that's really important to consider as well in studying this film. But to be honest, if I was studying, if, if I was teaching this text, and I'd, Connor, I don't know if you do this, but I would probably bring that into the classroom. Like, I'd bring that in, I'd like to talk about the perspective through which we're seeing all of this and how these how students should be watching it within the cultural context through which they're watching it, which is Irish, maybe of a certain class, maybe not, you know, not in Turkey. <laughs> so, if anything, that sort of stuff, that sort of conversation belongs next to Mustaine on the Leaving Certs. If, like, if anything, that's like, Connor, I don't know if that's something you bring in to your classroom, but I don't think it's a means through which we shouldn't be including this, because I think, I think Mustang is a much richer text that's offering far more than what you've, you've said it has as a negative, because there's so much that it gives us as a positive, even in terms of like a parable or like not a parable, but a fable in and of itself, through which we're kind of looking at gender and politics and patriarchal standards so I understand what you're saying but I'm just like there's we can we can bring that in with it Connor what do you think I'm sorry I don't even know
2: I agree with you Natasha I I teach it or we 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 approach I don't say I teach it that's wrong because it's very much collaborative a lot of chatting going on in the class and they bring stuff because this grabs them so they're coming with stuff that I don't know Mm. but it's very much as a fairy tale as a fable as an allegory this does not necessarily represent Turkey because I've been to Turkey on holidays, and some of the kids have been to Turkey on holidays, and we know, you know. And then there's other bits as well of the school kids going, "Why aren't you coming to school?" So we know that it's it's a fairy tale of references, things like Rapunzel and Wizard of Oz, as all these kind of other references going on. So we never, I we never take we never took it as being anything got to do with Turkey at all, as in it just happens to use that country in order to tell this tale and. My recommendation for what it's going to be paired with later on, which <laughs> you can probably guess what it's going to be, kind of continues that idea that it's not nece- it, it's not a real pl- it it is real, yeah. But it's an extreme, and then we actually compare it to maybe what Ireland was like. And if you were, could, you set this in Ireland a few years ago. How many years yeah. ago? And how? How exaggerated would we have to go? Like, this is being exaggerated in a lot of ways. It's like pushing it all into one house. But if Britain
0: paid to make that movie, we would feel very uncomfortable about it. Like, if Britain made a film about Ireland and submitted it to the Oscars... We would feel very uncomfortable about that, right? Well, do you that
2: have, what about the commitments and uh, who who may, who funded the commitments? Fair, but funded... the commitments
0: is you know it was written by a teacher who taught in Kilbarrack and it's not about like child sex abuse in the Catholic Church or the
2: Magdalene laundries or anything any, like anything. How many films for? Anything. Film, any, the anything, Quiet Man was sorry. The Quiet Man was before. I've got. I'm just going to talk over you, Andrew. No, 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 the no. Quiet no, Man. No, is yeah, what I want of. you to. Yeah, <laughs> The Quiet Man is what I... I come back to The Quiet Man whenever I discuss this kind of an idea. The Quiet Man is not about Ireland. Not yeah. really. It's a, it's a fantasy film about a fantasy yeah. Ireland. And he kind of... And Ford acknowledges that at the beginning. But for years... We all thought we all. This is the most disgraceful film that Ireland ever made. I grew up hating The Quiet Man mm. until I started. Until I got much older, and I I oh Jesus, you know this is that's not what it's about at all. It's something else. Can, can I push you know? I, back? Can I? I just, this is kind of like can, I, okay, can, can I say I, as
1: well, Darren? Okay. That right. Like like most good <laughs> Irish television doesn't come out of Ireland either. Yeah. Like and and yeah and 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 that like we we did and and I, I brought her up about literature earlier on as well. That like like if 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 um if we felt so strongly about it, we would have embraced these creative people okay. and allowed them to kind of you know but the but but the the, okay. the I I think I I I agree with with Connor and Natasha that that and I I I do I do think it it's it's maybe more than in, than a. Fairy tale in the sense that it's it's situated maybe in that anxiety about maybe not the reality of Turkey but the direction of Turkey in terms yes. of it being a um a liberal secular yes um democratic country that's that's that that, that that's maybe um uh, uh, tilting in ways that are worrying to 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 the right for far too long yeah and that there is a kind of a concern there, but it's not to say that that the that the that the country is is uh... yeah. But sorry, Darren,
0: that's like that... I, I do I do think that pushing like I I accept the fairy tale argument. I think the best thing about it is its fairy tale aspect. It is Rapunzel. It is this story of like women how women have been oppressed across history in this way. It is like this magical fairy tale, this magical realist kind of thing. It's kind of like cinema party. So like a lot of what we regard as, as very popular foreign language cinema tends to be filtered through this lens of fairy tale. My issue, though, is that it's not just that. And it, it's very specifically uh, rooted in Turkey in that, like, you know, she's talked about how when she was writing the uncle character, he is styled like Erdogan right down to his moustache and his hairstyle. He is modelled on the Turkish president. Uh, Andrew is entirely correct to point to it as a metaphor for that shift that happened in Turkey, where you know during the 90s and early 2000s, it seemed like a nation that was pushing more towards secular liberalism, where they wanted to be a part of the European Union, for example. And in recent years, they have pushed back against that. I, I think it's very hard to well, talk since,
1: about... Since oh, I Turk, I suppose. Okay. okay.
0: But my my point is, though, that it would it would be very difficult to talk about Mustang without talking about the specific Turkishness of it. And I think that listening to Turkish critics voice questions about the authenticity of that Turkishness would give me pause. That is that is my my point. That is my argument. Um, I don't think you can divorce it from that Turkishness. And I don't if that Turkishness is questioned by people who know more than I do about it. I would be wary of it. I don't know.
2: That's fair enough. I think that it's interesting because I'd approach it uh, as a teacher, I suppose I'm approaching it in a slightly different way to the way you're discussing it, Darren and Andrew as well, how how you explain the difference between it's about Turkey moving more to the right, etc. When I'm in the class, I'm not kind of looking at that. I taught 1984 once and only once. And the reason I'm not going to teach it again is because when I was teaching it, I didn't know how much about Soviet Russia I needed to explain to the kids. Mm. Because I'm not a, it's not a history class. It's an English class. And we're looking at texts and, and themes and how it's written and style, all that kind of stuff. So so some of the class <laughs> some of the class got it as a farming story. Like, that's how they approached it. And some of them got it as uh, kind of, about, you know, about kind of Soviet Russia and communism and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, after it, I thought to myself, I'm not doing this again. Because I'm I don't want to be spending my hours of English approaching a text in terms of the actual culture and historical context of the of the text and, yeah. and what it means in that respect. So I suppose I'm yeah. I think we're kind of coming at it a slightly different way. Um, I th-
3: yeah, I think as, as a teacher, I, I think that's fair to say. Like I might be doing the same thing in UCD, but you know, I suppose you know, if I was teaching this as part of a women's authorship course, like I did with, with uh, a couple of years ago, I mean, that's something that might come up as well, Darren, you know, the fact that, you know, where is, what is um, Ergavan's sort of, what is her, what is the lens that she's looking at all of this through, you know? So I, I understand what you're saying, but I just, you know, but so, yeah, I get you. There might be some cultural specificity that's coming from, her authorship of it but certainly that would be something i'd I'd encourage discussion of you know Yeah. No. within a classroom setting you
0: yeah, know absolutely i just I, I think that's a lot to that's something that i have difficulty unpacking and i i can i'm somebody who works in film and film criticism full-time as an adult and i have difficulty unpacking the question of who is this for what lens are we looking at this through and who's telling this story and why mm-hmm. and i feel like that's a lot to put on the plate of a 16 or 17 year old
2: yeah. Well, I can answer that question. Go for it. Because I've, I've seen them sitting in front of me. It's, it wasn't for me. I can I, I can I can, see the faces of the students who really loved and went off and, and went off and analyzed this by themselves and dug deep into Turkey and the reality of exactly what you're talking about. Another, and, and the rituals they went through, et cetera, et cetera, and came back and... And I was teaching it and they go, well, actually, Murphy will find that this is et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to go, this is brilliant, <laughs> fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly who it's for. Or at least I know who it hit. Okay. I yeah, if, I, if- I think
3: that's a lovely, a lovely way to put it. I mean, I, I do not teach 16 year olds. Connor knows more about that than, than certainly I do. But I mean, I always ask, like asking students who it's for, like I ask that constantly all the time when I'm doing kind of cultural you know any kind of cultural studies of the media or any kind of uh, kind of theory and stuff like that and applying it to to film Um, you know specifically stuff like that which has a very specific um, like ethnic background or a racial background or something like this Um, for sure you know but I'm glad Connor's given them more credit I think that's good you know
0: To be clear like I'm not oppose the idea of teaching something that comes with cultural baggage or or with cultural context like next week we're going to be talking about on the waterfront Elliot Kazan's like classic black and white Marlon Brando movie and that is a movie where what it is ostensibly narratively about is is very different from the context and the subtext and the reality behind the movie the difference between that and something like Mustang is that like there have been books written about On the Waterfront. There are, you know, if you browse the Wikipedia article, if you browse the IMDb trivia section, if you read the linear notes on your DVD, if you listen to an audio commentary, if you watch a behind-the-scenes special feature that comes on any edition of this, if you Google it, the first YouTube video you hit is going to explain it, and it's going to point you towards things that you already know and have some cultural understanding or grasp of. Like, you live in Ireland, it is very easy to understand what the HUAC hearings were you know what the house on american activities committee was doing to understand what the cold war is what communism is why america was doing what it's doing and what the blacklist was all that stuff is stuff that comes like prepackaged, and you understand it as part of context so you get the information and you just kind of slot it in i i think for me the issue with mustang is that like i'm a professional film critic and i had to search for days before I found this sort of stuff and I had to know exactly what I was looking for and it was very difficult for me to access and there wasn't a lot of engagement with it it wasn't part of the discussion of this in terms of like its Oscar run in terms of like its western release it just wasn't something that people talked about with regards to the movie outside of this collection of like again, expat Turkish critics people who understand the culture and know what they're talking about That's the thing that kind of like, that's the bit that I feel uneasy with. It's not that it comes with the baggage. It's not that it has subtext. It's not that it exists in a particular cultural context. It's that like, as a teacher, as a film critic, as a film student, trying to understand and unpars and unpick this without understanding that, I, I, I think that's a challenge. And I think that like unpicking that, even if you know that it exists to be unpicked, is also like a challenge as a white as as you know as a white irish film critic what business do i have to argue over the authenticity of this what what position what authority do i have to argue about the inauthenticity authenticity of this like that sort of stuff i find really prickly and really complex and i think it would be great to teach that i just don't know that that is how this movie is taught in the majority of classrooms if that makes sense i don't know
1: and um, in in terms of gender and sexuality, I th- I think like I I guess I'd push back on the idea of like oh it's a great movie for young girls just just that 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 it is but it's also a great movie for uh, young boys yeah no no like that 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 there, there's there's kind of important lessons in it there's a kind of a tendency to think you know um, like a class of girls would enjoy this but there there there's like it's 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 just a very funny, beautiful movie. I, and and I, th- there's a lot to le- to, to to learn from, from both. Not that it's didactic, you know.
2: I teach in a co-ed school. Mm. So I'm standing at the top of the class. And uh, <laughs> I don't know whether now is the time to, to read the exchange. I don't have it, actually I have it. But I teach at the top of the class. And during this, we were talking about periods. We were talking about sex. We were talking about the hymen. I I texted a doctor friend of mine. Asking about that that scene and what's the reality of it. I hadn't texted an old friend of mine that I'd known since we were both in school. And uh, I texted her the question quite bluntly and she answered (laughs) back. This is an odd way to talk to me after about a year, Connor. (laughs) (laughs) But and then we were having this. So I did that in class, phone in class. And there she answered back. Yeah, has she answered back? And then she eventually did after a few minutes and read it out in class. Boys and girls. And we discussed hmm. the importance of the fact that boys were listening and part of the conversation as well. And just getting used to the idea of uh, just discussing all of these things. Yeah. That's, you know, they're constantly talking about willies all the time in various contexts. But why can't we talk about girls bits as well, you know? Um. Yeah. So it's. I, I think that's very important. I think that's very yeah. important to have these kind of discussions. And my favorite quote from any student ever from <laughs> my class we were discussing we were discussing symbolism and the phallic symbol and then we were discussing the the, the symbol of, of the vagina and like why do we see so many of them and we tweeted that out and i get my doctor friend actually tweeted back an image from one of the star wars movies where there was the <laughs> last vagina. jedi yeah, uh, well, no it was one of the prequels in the kind of stadium the Coliseum yeah. kind of thing.
0: Yeah. George Lucas loves his vagina dentatas. Yeah.
2: Anyway, they're they're everywhere. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't, you can't not see it. So we did, we were discussing that. And then that kind of spilled over to the beginning of the next class. One of the students, a, a, a female student said, Murphy, can we stop talking about penises and vaginas for once and just get on with something else? I said, <laughs> well, if a student can say that in my class, I'm doing all right.
0: <laughs> and to be clear. Absolutely, like, that's not what I... That's not what gives me any hesitance about this. No, no, I don't think it is, but I I think kind of, like... I think you can get movies that do... Like, I think, like, this is very Virgin Suicides-heavy text. I would be... The Virgin Suicides comes from somebody who is a lot closer to the culture they're depicting. That sort of stuff. Anyway... I, I sense that this is not a, not a conversation that I'm gonna win um all right then and then second no, i mean, I I mean Darren,
3: you're not no it's not really about that i mean you're you're not wrong like it's worth bringing up like this sort of stuff is worth sharing all the time with stuff like this I think it's always a worthy chat to have is who this is for and who it's not like always and if you feel like it's it's coming from a place that's problematic in its lens then that's worth bringing in but I'm just saying it doesn't i it, for me it doesn't negate why it shouldn't be on a leaving cert it should be, in, that sort of question should be included. Do you know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I, I, again, it's just, it's the levels of complexity and the way in which we teach it. Like, I don't know that we teach this with an exploration of why it might be questionable that France is producing a movie like this about the Islamic world and why it's, it's questionable perhaps that France is financing it and why it's questionable that French culture loves it and why they're entering it to the, to the Oscars as their foreign film. Um, which is a lot of baggage and it's a lot to talk about and I think it's something that needs to be that is worth unpacking and exploring particularly given France's history and its relationship to those cultures. Mm. Um, anyway, I, 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 I'm certainly not the person to have that conversation but it is something that I felt watching it very conscious of. Um, but anyway, so next question. So, Connor, obviously you have taught this. If not, if this wasn't on The Leaving Cert, would you have watched this?
2: Yeah, um. I didn't get to watch it because I live in West Cork, and to watch these kind of films, I have to go up to up to Cork City, the big city, and see it in the Triskel. And these films only last about a week, and I missed it. Uh, so when it came out, it was one of the films that I watched as one of those kind of um, appears in the text, watch it over the summer kind of thing. Um, so yeah, would I have watched it? Yes, if I, if I'd seen it around, I probably would have watched it because I knew I wanted to see it when it came out, but missed it. So if that makes sense. And. Um-
0: Natasha, you said you saw this at the Belfast Film Festival while you were there with one of your own films. Mm-hmm. Were you, Did you become aware of it after the fact? Would you have seen this? Would you have sought this out if you hadn't seen it that way?
3: Yeah, I definitely would have. Because uh, I think it came out like, I think it had a small release then afterwards. And then I kind of saw it everywhere, you know. Um, so I went from kind of not knowing what it was to like immediately being like, oh my God, you have to go like recommending it to people, you know. So yeah, I think for sure... I would have sold it out at some point, defo, yeah.
0: And, Andrew, you were not aware of this before I texted you and asked this, but is this a movie you probably would have watched if we hadn't been covering it for the podcast, if it hadn't been on the curriculum? I think so,
1: yeah. From kind of like a short description of the movie, one of those kind of Netflix conversations where it's like, what about this? It's like, ah. Uh... Yeah, all right. <laughs> you know the the yeah, it's on movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The 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 um it it I between uh, I and I had we were watching movie um for a while, and this is exactly the kind of thing that we would have watched on it. So yeah, yeah. The, um, I think um, uh, ch- ch- chances are good. It's not like something I would avoid. I generally tend to to enjoy these movies, and I I I you generally tend not to, Darren. I I mean, I mean they're, obviously they're very different
0: movies, but they kind of. no well, on, are you saying like are you comparing this to Amelie? Is this where this comparison's going, saying,
1: No, okay. but they... the yeah they... the if 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 you if you
0: were to kind of uh, cinema Paradiso. Yeah,
1: yeah yeah they 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 they're, obviously they're very different, but but
0: uh, I would argue they're very different movies. Yes.
1: Oh yeah, no, entirely um but the, i i don't know that there's some sort of um, yeah but i i maybe that's unfair
0: no 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 it, it, it's a fair observation that i am quite skeptical of a lot of the uh non-english language conventional mainstreamy kind of breakout hits um i do tend to be quite wary of of kind of the the indie artists so,
1: some of the american stuff like that as well like the, yeah. yeah the the kind of florida project yeah, the, um,
0: the a24 I, mean, I like a20 i like a24 but i'm not a member of the cult of a24 that sort of stuff right sundance stuff the sundance indies i am quite skeptical of the sundance indies i will put my hand on my heart and say in my defense i also am quite skeptical of most of the summer blockbusters as well maybe i just don't like movies maybe that is the problem <laughs> maybe, maybe the problem is that i just How do have you not become like me <laughs> You need yeah, to you need
1: to run outside of the house now and touch some grass. That's exactly yeah. It. yeah I, 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 I have I I've I've think we solved the problem from the movies. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think we solved the problem. Darren just doesn't like movies. That is the problem here. <laughs> um, but yes, I absolutely would have watched this movie. Um, I would have been aware of it coming through the Academy Awards cycle, coming through uh, the foreign language film cycle. Uh, Going to Diff, like the great thing about Diff, despite what Andrew says about the stereotype (laughs) of Darren No, no, the great thing about Diff is getting to see uh, these sorts of films and to see these films from these different perspectives. I'm a big fan of the, the Roger Ebert kind of empathy machine idea where you get to see the world through different eyes and you get to experience cultures that you wouldn't experience otherwise. I think it's fantastic. I generally really like these sorts of films. I would draw a line between Mustang and something like Cinema Paradiso, something like Amelie, which which are movies that are, to me, much more constructed in terms of, they're much more overtly feel like they're movies for foreign consumption. They feel much more what like what Phil Ho described as postcard uh, indies, uh, postcard arthouse films. I don't think Mustang is that. Um, so I was actually, like, again, I was quite surprised at how much I did not care for it the way that i thought i would care for it at the time um but yeah I, I would definitely have watched this otherwise um and connor if listeners have not seen mustang would you recommend they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device it is on movie
2: absolutely yes and ignore darren and his line between this and cinema paradiso <laughs> yeah just go and watch in it. in fairness
0: it was andrew who made that connection
2: oh. <laughs> <laughs> i uh, no, the i, line. I <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, when you said that, I was like, "Cinema parody? So what?" Yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a very I, different. I, it's a very I, different. I, movie. I'd like to say I didn't. I don't think I actually said cinema parody. So I, um, I'll, I'll, we can rewind tale. No, <laughs> the um, tape. No,
3: the deleted marriage <laughs> <Yeah, laughs>
1: Dar- Darren brought up Emily, and I knew he was also thinking about Cinema Paradiso. But I, I, <laughs> I, 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 mean,
0: are we talking of- about Encendes then? Um, which, uh, <laughs> which is a days is maybe the big example of another film about that part of the world. Sure. From a director who is uh, there, are questionable questions of like who gets to tell this story? Perhaps would that be an sure. example? Sure. Yeah. 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 Encendes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. then. Okay. Um, and Natasha, if listeners have not seen Mustang, would you recommend they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device?
3: Yeah, they should absolutely pause this, go and watch it, have a good time, have a go question, uh, ask questions about the text, such as what uh, what we've all been discussing. But uh, if they wanted to disregard the last hour, then they should. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, sorry, this has been quite a long discussion. So yeah, I quite like that we talk about everything but the film. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Andrew what about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, no absolutely. I um I enjoyed it. it. It 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 is kind of as we've mentioned already and not just for 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 the reasons we've given but the reasons that people can imagine is that it's it it's an upsetting movie but it's also um really kind of heartwarming and joyous at the same time. I think there there's there's a lot that you can you can take from this. It looks fantastic yeah i i i i would recommend this to people with with those kind of like you know small reservations
0: and and i would recommend it i mean again controversially shockingly perhaps given the discussion that we just had but no i think it is a movie that is worth seeing i think it's a movie worth forming your own opinion on i think it's a movie that is beautifully well made it is important historically uh, culturally i think it works wonderfully as a fairy tale I I just have those specific qualms about its cultural context that I just, I cannot shake myself, and I'm willing to accept that it may just be me. So I would wholeheartedly recommend it. With that in mind, we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone. Hey, uh, this is Darren from the future, uh, giving you a heads up, basically uh, that thing that we joked about not wanting to happen earlier in the podcast involving Andrew's audio, well it kind of happened, so the audio that Andrew provided for this and the audio that I had as a backup were both unusable to put it mildly. So, with Andrew's consent, we looked at a number of different options about reconstructing the podcast, including generating an AI Andrew, which is a bridge the podcast was not quite ready to cross. As a result, I've had to edit around Andrew as much as possible in the second half of this episode. We do figure out late in the discussion that his microphone's not working and we do fix it but there is going to be a stretch in the middle of this where i'm cutting around andrew as much as possible the conversation may be a little disjointed uh but it's no more disjointed than it would be if i use the audio there are points where i have to use the audio and it is um it it sounds like andrew is broadcasting from the bottom of a well made of tin while underwater but it's legible when it needs to be Uh, We apologize profusely for this um, and this is one of the reasons we don't have a Patreon because we would feel really bad if anybody had paid for this. Anyway, we hope you enjoy the discussion. Take care, guys. Bye.
1: You may now watch the movie if you've not yet done so. The podcast is about to start. You have less than three hours to listen to this broad conversation, including tangents. The Best of luck.
0: So, Natasha, what is Mustang about for you?
3: So, I guess, for me, you know, Mustang is... I mean, I've sort of already mentioned kind of quite a lot of... I suppose I'm about to repeat again, but, like, for me, it's it's about womanhood. It's about sisterhood, I think, first and foremost. I think it's about... You know, different generate looking at sort of the of and en- like looking at entering that period of your life through different generational lenses, and I include the characters like the grandmother, for example, and the aunt, and uh, not just you know not just the the five ensemble characters, um, and how that changes over time, um, and the things that uh, that kind of. I suppose you might be confronted with on a societal level on a family level um within your own self uh and the people that are close to you um so that's kind of what it's about for me as well as being kind of obviously very broadly about femininity um you know and we can include masculinity in that as well I think it's you know important to kind of bring that in as well if we're talking about it in a feminist lens um so that would be you know my biggest kind of takeaway from Mustang, and it's kind of look at how to escape that or embrace it, and what that means for these characters. Um, so that's I hope that makes sense. But that was that's always been my takeaway of Mustang. You know,
0: it does it has a very fairy tale? I think we've mentioned the term fairy tale repeatedly in the discussion so far. I think there's something fascinating in. I think Uggovens kind of talked about how. And and you can see it in the way that it's shot, the way that these five girls are are really almost one person collectively. The poster shot is the five of them with their heads together, almost like a starfish. Mm. They're the points where they're in like the bedroom or they're lounging around in the garden and their limbs are all kind of like intermingled. And it's hard to distinguish where one ends and the other begins. There is that kind of like fascinating idea that there is a as you said i think you mentioned a universality to it before we went to this war zone but an idea that it is almost like a fairy tale where there is this idea of femininity encapsulating all these different people but somehow being universal despite that
3: yeah i think i think there's a relatability there like obviously a lot of leaving search students are going to watch this and go well i don't have an arranged marriage uh that's not really what i meant but i think <laughs> you're right in saying that there's a universality in it in like it's uh, in its look at kind of young women just wanting to be carefree, you know, they want to be young and they're enjoying those things like, you know, discovering boys for the first time and they love football. And they just want to go and have a good time and they're kind of prancing around and kind of uh, performing their femininity and doing their own thing. But they're also you know, like one of them, I think, prances around and like what her sister's bra at one point And it's so colorful and garish in the context of like in the backdrop of what she's living in, which is, you know, drab colours and muted costumes and I think she called they called them they called the dresses shit coloured at shit one point. Shit colored dresses, gas, you know. Dresses, discuss, yeah. you know? Yeah. But uh yeah, like that kind of thing. You know? How fun it is. The fun of the fun of that, I think, is very is very obvious.
2: Shit coloured dresses is the most quoted line from the film of <laughs> all the essays. <laughs> they all have to include the line shit colored dresses. It was incredible. And I don't give it quotes. It'll stay with you. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I don't give quotes to learn off or anything like that. They have to. They come up with all this themselves. But they just love that phrase because you're, you're you're not allowed to swear in the essays because it's a state exam. So I can't let them swear in the essays in class. Or they hand up to me. I say you can't. I
0: was, but I was because say. can you I, quote? Can you quote a swear? You can word? quote.
2: So if you're quoting, you're fine. Yeah, there we go. But okay. you can't say this this poem was shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> because. I mean, you can say it. I, I, this is why I say it to them, I guys, after this, you can say, <laughs> say whatever you want. Write whatever you want. I don't care. But you have to think of who's going to correct it. And I say, look, I've seen young people younger than me who don't like swearing in essays. and Short stories is, is mainly, short stories and personal essays is mainly where I discourage it. Because I, I do know some correctors who would uh, frown, frown on that. But you were talking about the specificity of it. And the scene where she's, she's taking the bra from her sister and the two sisters fight, fighting. I've seen that at home back when I was a kid. So that's that's a real thing that happens in houses i've seen my sisters um i have two older sisters and i remember way back when when i was a teenage boy making a cup of coffee or making a cup of tea inside the kitchen and they're screaming and shouting as the two of them running up because somebody has taken somebody else's top <laughs> yeah so, this is the reality it's yeah the reality of it. i
3: think i think those are the scenes that feel the most real do you know what i mean there's, there's one really lovely scene where they're they're kind of, in, I think they're, they're just hanging around upstairs, but they're kind of like bunched in all together and they're just messing with each other. And like, they're kind of roughhousing as they say. And I think one of them is like trying to just stick her foot in her sister's face. And like that. so that's what they're doing. They're just messing around each other. And that that's what felt very real to me. You know,
2: your, your toe cake is ready. I think is one of the <laughs> yeah. And they were pretending to give birth to each other. As oh, well. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: We we should note, by the way, that Ergven's talked about, like, several of these key beats being taken from her own life or from the lives of people around her. Yeah. Where, like, the inciting incident of the movie, which is the sequence in which the girls are wrestling... Uh, in the water with the boys they're chicken fighting I believe there's a specific Turkish term for that as well Uh, that was something that was from her own childhood that sequence there the idea of the women being or the girls being uh, disciplined according to age was something that apparently happened to her mother's generation for example as well Um, and she's talked yeah basically there are several sequences from this that are lifted directly the virginity checks um, are apparently stories that she's heard through the Whisper Network from doctors in Ankara as well so that like there are elements of this that are drawn very specifically from uh real life and they, so they do have that kind of specificity um and i think like some of the pushback that we won't get into again was just that like those are stories from ankara uh those are not stories from the black sea yeah no sorry i shouldn't have dragged about that but i think i think it is the generalness that works really well it's like the turning of the house into a fortress like that visual metaphor of the house that becomes a prison where first of all you know you have the the you have the the locking of the girls inside, the locking of the doors, the hiding of the keys. Then you have the installation of the bars. Then you have the building of the higher walls. Then you have the, the kind of barbed wire or the kind of like the prongs sticking up the top where the home that is supposed to be the safe environment ends up becoming a place of captivity, ends up becoming a trap. What are the and, and then you obviously...
2: One of the great scenes to this... Look, I've discussed all these scenes, but one of them that springs to mind is the, the, the opening scene and I remember one class uh, we were discussing, I just got to two classes, but the first class actually this was, and we were discussing how them playing in the sea, and I live, like I said, West Cork, so all these kids would have gone swimming with their buddies, all that kind of stuff, that it was shot, but it wasn't shot uh, according to the male gaze. It was just shot as if kids were playing in the water, and that was it. And we were pointing out that girls were wearing white shirts, but still... It was just kids playing in the water. There's nothing sexualized sexual about it. There's nothing sexualizing about it. Um, at least that's what we were, that's the conclusion uh, we came to. And it was then that adds to the kind of all of a sudden, no, what you did was terrible. When it wasn't shot that way at all, and that it wasn't shot that way. If you, <laughs> although I don't think I mentioned him, but he comes his name comes. Imagine Michael Bay shooting that scene, for instance. Um, it would be a very different scene if Michael Bay, the girls might be a bit older to get him out of a bit of trouble, but it would be a very different scene. We'd be looking at something different. Um, or if if we shot it through, I think it was Pick... What was her name? Pick X? What was her name? Uh, Petek. yeah. Petek. yeah. If we shot it through Mrs. Petek's point of view, would it have been shot in a, in a different way as well? But instead, what we get is the girls fighting and we get Lale standing up for herself and not giving up, which pays off at the end. We get the beautiful blues that change as the film... Progresses, the, the blues kind of change to, to being something completely different. Um, and I just remember that being such, because we had that at the beginning of the film, quite obviously, because at the beginning of the film, beginning of our study, it really set the tone for the rest of the conversations that we we're going to have uh, later on. um, Not just in terms of colour, but in, all, in terms of getting them to look and they kind of go, yeah, no, you're right, it isn't shot in any kind of lurid, voyeuristic way. Not really, no. Like the wide at the walking along the beach at the beginning. And just and Lale being so strong, but it just it, yeah. It's, it's interesting the extent to which at the beginning it's kind of it, it's about the neighbors, you know,
1: rather than the, the grandmother. And the, the, the grandmother puts on a a, a stall when she sees uh, Mrs. Pettit. Like it's it's not just that she's ashamed of her grandchildren. Uh,
0: the family isn't explicitly religious, is the thing. Like, I mean, the father drinks alcohol, for example. He says he doesn't, but you see him... Sorry, the uncle uh, drinks alcohol. He says he doesn't, but you see him drink alcohol at several points over the course of the movie. They're very concerned about what the neighbours think of them. Again, it's, it's that idea that you fortify the house and it becomes a trap. And obviously, we'll maybe talk about the threat that comes inside the house, but there is that sense of it being imposed from the outside as well. Yeah, it's, um, But
2: the grandmother's the hero. Yeah. Despite it all, she's she's actually the hero of the beast.
3: Yeah, yeah I do agree with that, actually. I've, I always had tremendous respect for her character. I think she's great. You know, I do.
2: she's her, her son has done terrible things and continues and she doesn't want the son to do any more terrible things so she thinks the only way to save these children is get them married off. Get them married off quick. Get them out of this bloody house. As soon as, towards the end, when, when Eke commits suicide and then Oh well, what does Noor do Noor, Noor does something Oh no Yeah and then the uncle Goes into Noor Yeah And starts molesting her And the next straight away The biscuits have appeared That's it We're, we're going off um, And we, that, You can you, you get, get Noor married off As quickly as possible So she, the, She's kind of She doesn't have an arc So much as a She's revealed As, as the film progresses Because she's quite clearly Brought them up to be great kids <laughs> At the beginning They're fantastic they're living literally in an Eden, yeah. an Edenic and- life. <laughs> well, yeah, they eat an apple. Like, again, it, it, yeah. you mentioned that lack of
0: sexuality at the start, the playing around. The, it, there is that, again, very constructed, very fairy tale idea of original sin. The moment before, and again, the, the amount, how much work this movie does setting up Chekhov's guns. Laura, like, you don't, You have that suicide happens and you don't wonder where she got the gun because you have watched people throughout the film brandish guns and shotguns. And
2: you're like, yeah, of course, there's just... Phallic person. image. A lot of phallic images. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there, there's the apple. They're, they're the bit where they're walking through the orchard on the way back to the house and they steal the apple. And it's like, yes, that is, that is a very nice fairy tale. Again, it kind of establishes this idea of the story as a fairy tale, as a metaphor, as this, you know, which I think works very well. It's, it has a kind of a lyrical quality to it, I think. Um but Natasha, what about yourself? Anything you want to say about the film? Anything we haven't discussed or anything about you?
3: Um Yeah, I just think like it's it's kind of the bits where they're I think uh, this is the the Lala's voiceover, she says the house became a glorified wife factory. Um you know, and they're kind of they're so bored learning how to make bread or meatballs or, or whatever. Um <laughs> and I think there is a certain there's something kind of lovely about the women who are teaching them how to do things are pretty delighted to do that. Like one of them shows her how yeah. to make changam with so much joy, and they're they're all like, "Oh, that's so good! You're so good at it! You're going to learn how to do this so well!" And like I know they're learning things they don't want to do, and you know the context obviously isn't great because they're they're not going to school and stuff like that. But I think I thought I actually thought that was really nice, and I really liked the grandmother's character. I thought she she stands up for them in the beginning. She reprimands her son when she knows what he's doing with Nure. And uh, I just thought she was, I kind of like, like Connor was saying, like she's, she's kind of leading them on. She's looking out for them as best as she can, I think within what she has. But I think she herself is a very interesting character to kind of keep an eye on. Um, One thing I really want to touch on with Mustang is how funny it is. um, Because I know there's an awful lot of heavy material there. I know, you know, we've talked about You know, the sort of, obviously, the lens through which we're looking at this and kind of viewing something that's quite striking and startling and jarring with arranged marriage, particularly with young girls that don't want to do this or are underage. Um, But there's moments where, particularly with these older women characters, where it's really funny and it's fun. Like, (laughs) who would ever throw stones at an electric, like, (laughs) pole to knock (laughs) down? Do you know what I mean? Like, the, the lengths that they go to to protect them. And to let them be young women, I think is really uh, is really great fun. Um, and uh, to kind of, it's a really nice sort of part of the, you know, the film being able to sort of sort of cut through what becomes quite a quite a heavy text is seeing that kind of interaction, and I think that's where those characters are coming together within not just sort of girlhood and coming of age of young women but like a certain overall womanhood of looking out for one another they're showing them skills like life skills they're looking like they're protecting them they're protecting each other and I think that's always worth looking out for is that it's not the girls versus everyone else it's the girls and the women and you know all those people versus sort of like a system um and yeah I don't know I loved that
2: one of the one of the favourite bits of the students is, is the throwing of the stones because they all go, That is ridiculous and then you enter into the kind of allegory story of But the other the other favourite bit is them walking, like the scene from Once Upon a Time in the West, um, to the well to get for all the people from the windows can, can can look at them. And the the girls just stand there and that one of those great poses, the the great wides, and they're just sour pusses on their face, going, no. Not at all. Not having this, um, I just I I know there's only one act, actor. Was it was Sonny, was it? Was it the only actor? I can't remember which one was, but I thought they were all the, the ensemble that they put together. It just worked so well. That shot is one of my favorites. And, and it's the actually Virginity easy. Test sorry, it, it's it's uh, easy. It it it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my which God.
0: makes sense, probably given the of the material that she has to carry. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. 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 But the bit then the virginity test and the bit after the virginity test and we only spotted this the second time we watched it was when the grandmother goes straight to, to Selma, and that sets up like obviously the uncle was molesting and sexually abusing Selma as well and that's why she's so concerned about going to the doctor and that's you know she's getting herself drunk beforehand, and I, it's it's the it's one of the heavier bits, but the other shot that, this class really loved was that. The high angle right over on right over her as she's as the doctor's checking and whether or not and the question whether or not the doctor actually lied or not, which you don't actually know. He says, Oh no, no, it's just people are built this way and my doctor friend confirmed that that's that's what it is. But we often discuss like maybe he's protecting her, um, or trying to, but it's like she's in a coffin already, like sleeping beauty, lying there. Um yeah, yeah, she's it's it's already over anyway, so it doesn't really for her from her perspective. It doesn't really matter.
0: Well, the way she's framed, she's she's framed so she's lying, filling
2: up the letterbox frame. Yeah, yeah. he says something similar when he, when she when she comes in. He says he pretty much says that. Yeah, yeah he says well, he, he knows what's going on. Yeah,
3: he yeah. says he think he asks her if she's had sex before, and she says yes. And he says, well, that's that'll be just between you and me, yeah. you know. So yeah, which I thought was nice.
0: Just uh, another thing to talk about with regards to the movie is the use of televisions, which I find very interesting. And again, this is something that Aguven, the director, has kind of talked about, where she says, like, one of the great ironies of Turkey is that she would go there and it would be this very conservative social environment. But then you'd look at the television that was on around the house and it would be streaming these women in bikinis, you know, from Turkish MTV or the equivalent of Turkish MTV in every room of the house. Mm. I think it's very telling that, like, when... You know, the the, the television kind of lends a mythic quality to the movie where... Now, obviously they end up locked in in the house they're trapped, they're confined but they still have access to a television, in fact they still have access to several televisions and throughout the movie you have these recurring motifs, the suggestion of like mirroring and echoing through the television which gives you the sense that this story is about something larger and broader, I mean the most obvious example is early on when they're watching the soap operas you have your own son, how could you not know, which very obviously has resonance to the grandmother in this particular story, but even like very famously during the sequence where Eki takes her own life. That moment, they're having that discussion, they're watching the television the father, who again, as we've discussed, is very much styled to resemble uh, Erdogan they're listening to this speech, and it seems like it's designed to evoke, and I apologize for mangling this, Bulent Arnick, Turkey's deputy prime minister, who gave a speech in July 2014, which would have been as this movie was entering production, where he gave a very famous speech that decried that women should not laugh loudly in front of all the world, which is very much kind of in the style of what I think the film speech says, which is, women should be chaste and pure and know their limits. I mean, the year after this movie came out, you had... Er himself deliver a very pointed address about, you know, International Women's Day and the idea that women's role is to be mothers. But it does feel like this is very much rooted in a sort of specificity. They're listening to a speech that to Turkish audiences will exist in the context of Turkish politics in the 2010s. And that's the kind of thing that when I, you know, when I talk about You know, us not having the context, or us not teaching the context, or us not even being aware that we don't have the context, that's the kind of thing I'm alluding to, where Eki taking her own life listening to a speech from the Turkish deputy prime minister layers that scene with a, a sense of power and weight that I don't know most people discussing this movie for the Irish Leaving Cert would be aware of. But there are also, again, there are other examples uh, that are very specific as well. We mentioned things like, say, the um, the soccer match. The soccer match is is a great, that's a, great that, example. Sorry.
2: But that's a great scene as well, because you go into some kind of fantasy of their experience of it and Lally's experience of it. And she, it becomes more red and the sound is turned up. and the, 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 It goes in slow motion a little bit and then you see them on the TV. And they're just, some, <laughs> it's as plain as day and nothing special at all. They're just throwing, there's only two or three of them throwing Lally up in the air. But previously we'd seen her, her perception, her imagination of how she's, her perception of it. Thank you, Dan. That's it. Her perception of it. We lo- I love that little bit. Um, yeah. I didn't know about the speech. That's where the speech came from. But we did use that speech to open up a discussion about uh, Ireland and what, what happened in the past here and then the cultural significance of that. Again, I suppose taking it away from the kind of the cultural specificity that you're talking about, Darren and more into the kind of allegorical, metaphorical, fairy tale approach that I was looking at.
0: Well, I mean again, it is worth noting that this comes out, you know, or towards the beginning of the discussions of kind of the Me Too stuff. The Me Too stuff is several years away, but you have discussions of like Oscar so white women being represented in film um, like, there are discussions that are taking place outside of Turkey. I think Natasha is entirely right to say that, you know, this is not just a movie about women in Turkey. This is a movie about women around the world. But I do think that it is also perhaps a movie about women in Turkey. Um, but to that soccer match, they couldn't... Ergvan's talked about this. Like, this is one of those great filmmaking feats where they were not allowed to film inside the stadium. Um, first of all, apparently those men-free uh, men soccer matches apparently only announced a couple of days beforehand, which made it a logistical challenge to try and organise a shoot around it because you never knew which match was going to be eligible for it. And when there was one announced um, that was perfectly timed, they wouldn't let her film inside. They wouldn't let the film crew shoot inside the stadium. Um, and she said that the way that they did it was they actually talked to the stadium television team and told them the shots that they needed to get. And because there are 18 different cameras covering the stadium, they were able to trust the production team filming the match for broadcast on television to sneakily get them a couple of the shots that they needed that they knew that they had to get, which is one of those great guerrilla filmmaking kind of stories. Um, That's good. It's incredible. That's
2: yeah. really funny. I think Yazin I think Yazan, Yazan uh, their, their Prince Charming-ish guy, He I loved Yazin. I loved he's just kinda he just kinda helps him out. He's just come turns up when he needs to be needs to turn up and gives him a lift and the little jokes about her Wizard of Oz shoes and stuff. And he's just there. I I, I loved Jason. Oh yeah. I, Janet, mm, yeah,
3: he's, he's a nice character, yeah.
2: And he's also kinda
0: of presented though very like like a again, if we're going with a fairy tale, if this is a fairy tale, he's presented almost like a wolf. She's walking along the side of the road and he kinda of pulls up and opens the door. Where in any other movie you'd be like, Yeah,
2: no under no circumstances should you trust this man. Yeah. Yeah, but but she has the real wolf in the house, you see. Yeah. So, and I I I I I didn't like it, but I I thought it was a good touch for the film where she says to one of the one as well, she's trying to phone and um, again there's another kind of talking point about his having long hair, and the guy says, "Oh, we have no we queen 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 so yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I thought that was a it was an interesting little touch because there's just one line in it, it, it you know. Added a bit more to it. I'd like, I it was a good touch, rather than a nice touch.
0: And we should note, by the way, that uh, just again, it, just in terms of, of kind of this film as a, as a film directed by, by a woman and the difficulty in getting that made, like apparently she became pregnant shortly before she was due to film this and the producers bailed. The French producers bailed on discovering that she had become pregnant. Mm. Um, so she ended up having to go back to Le Femi, which is obviously the big French film school. Um, and basically she... Uh, is it Olivier Assayas, the director of, like, crowds of Sils Maria and Personal Shopper and all that sort of stuff. Basically, he said, "Let I'll, I'll find somebody who will produce you. He pointed his own producer, Charles uh, Gillibird, towards it as well. Uh, but it is, again, a reminder of how difficult it is to get one of these films made and the kind of, again, the institutional sexism that exists. Because um, that, that is just insane to me that it's like, no, we're, we're, we're willing to fund it. You've we've got it all greenlit. We've got it all cast. We're ready to roll. And it's like, oh, you're pregnant. OK, well, then that's it. We will pull all of your funding. We are afraid we can no longer support this movie.
2: There's, there's a film in the junior cycle called Wajda, where, again, female director, but she wasn't allowed out of the car sometimes. The film, I think it was in Saudi Arabia. I taught it, I taught it once, once or twice. Great film, but the girl wants to get a bicycle. But the difficulties, another teacher teaching it was telling me she did a lot of research into how it was made. And just basically the, the physical restrictions on her on set were incredible because of where she was filming it. Well, worse.
0: We should also mention that Ergovan uh, was apparently one of only two women in her class at Le Femi. She was one of only the two, two women in that graduating class of French filmmakers. The other one was Alice Winacour, who co-wrote this and will go on to direct Proxima uh which is the French sad astronaut movie starring Eva Green, which I, I do like, um, to Andrew's point about movies that Darren doesn't like. Um yeah, so it's, But um is there anything else we want to talk about Mustang? Anything we haven't discussed or anything jumping out at people? Oh sorry.
3: Yeah, I think um I mean I know we've kind of already touched on this because we had a, a big long chat about it. But I mean I think there's a couple of things that are really worth talking about when we come into films like this about femininity directed by women, written by women, which is authorship. And I I know I've talked about kind of directing, or sorry, teaching women's authorship already, but I think you're right to to bring in kind of how we're kind of seeing things, those kinds of lenses that we're seeing these things. But also like, how does that reflect sort of self-expression, the kind of self, the expression of those, the self-expression of those, those characters and the kinds of ways and means through which we are, you know, maybe their behaviours or the the ways in which we are seeing things play out for them within the context, the political context, that maybe, you know, that speech at the end is is really, really striking before that she kills herself. And how that might affect, you know, I suppose her, that director, and how she's kind of translating that herself into the film. So I think authorship is always worth noting, even for better or for worse... And how that you know, like how her own experiences generationally like what she's hearing in Turkey and like how you know other people in her family have reacted to things how that's being adapted through through this film. Um, but I also I think also want to talk about how it's shot, which I think is really actually a very pertinent part of how we interact and build a relationship with the girls in the film. And I don't know, Connor. Do you, Connor? Do you do you talk to your students about how it's shot?
2: Yeah. So I would. But it's not necessary. I think we discussed this in the Diego Maradona one. That basically you can teach a movie, a film, just with narrative and characters and theme. You don't have to talk about the language. But I always talk about the language because it's nowhere else in the second level. So I always talk about film language, sight and sound, and, and editing, and as many things as we can get into. Um, because I, and I tie it in with all like 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 you would, and I tie it in with the themes and characters. And, Narrative and how things are presented, and how we're interpreting them, and how you know decisions the director would make. But I wouldn't, uh, I, I don't, maybe I'm sounding you know egotistical, but I would, uh, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be the norm, that wouldn't be the norm. I'd be an outlier. There's more teachers now that would do it than they would have maybe 20 years ago, but the percentage of teachers who would teach it in that way would still be, but at, at the most, I'd say 30 mm. yeah. percent. We would, a lot of a lot of talk about this particular one about use of color,
1: right?
2: And the the careful use of shaky cam is what I kept calling it anyway. <laughs> and uh, the, the the movement from light, uh, in terms of lighting, moving from light to dark, um, they were the big ones uh, that that the students kind of latched onto. And the use of wide at the beginning, uh, there wasn't too many wides anymore after that, apart from the ad- establishing shot of the house, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and. Uh,
3: no,
2: no, sorry. sorry. Go on. No, no. no just the the uh, just watching it today. One of the shots that I just love, and I know it's kind of a cliche. It's the most cliche shot in the world. It's just the car coming out of the tunnel at the end as he's freeing them, As he's that that simple, you know, crossing of the threshold out the other way out of the forest. It's I just I just loved it, and watching it again today, I felt, oh that's great, look at that, that's, and uh, and then I felt a little bit guilty because it's such an obvious shot, but at the same time, yeah, yeah. You know,
3: no i know what you mean though i mean like there's a couple of those sort of shots in there um there's another shot where she's Lally's sort of walking on the road and around the corner, and she stops and then in front of her there's like this big long stretch of winding road that's very very pointed um but i yeah i did enjoy like how it's shot like it is very this large piece of, of handheld movement um shaky cam as you were saying connor <laughs> um that's acceptable it is shaky it is camera thank you um um, for like kind of very fly on the wall kind of uh use which I always thought was very nice way to kind of craft a very subjective point of view for the for the girls because I feel like for a lot of the film we see not all of it but for there are parts of the film where we certainly see it from Lolly's point of view that I love that scene at the wedding when she's kind of watching everybody um at one point it feels like she's watching everything unfold and I think that's I think it was great. But I think that sort of stuff really helps build a relationship with those girls because we're very much in their world because it's shot so tight. I think, Connor, you say there's not much wides after a certain point, and there isn't. You know what I mean? There's one wide it's paid, played for a gag when the when the lights go out in the entire village because you will oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that, that's you know, true. after that, it, like, I find it's very... It's, it's great for the kind of emotional connections we're building within the home. And it kind and of confines us in as well. The classic, exactly, yeah. The confinement of it, that house, so...
2: But the, the, the two things in that the handheld isn't overly used like it is in some movies because it drives me nuts. Most of the time that drives me insane, but it's it's done really well. And the only time that it really draws attention to itself is when they're running out. They think they've missed the bus to the to the match and you're with them. And it works perfectly in that shot for that particular reason. And I can't remember what my second point was, but I'm sure it was really interesting.
0: Just uh, in terms of, I think, both Connor and Natasha kind of mentioned the, the female perspective and, kind of the, again, the male gaze that we've talked about in terms of how cinema is constructed and the default of it. Like, Erguvens talked about how when they were filming it, she would have to talk to the cameramen. And it, as she pointed out, it was often men who were working the camera during the filming of this and tell them, like, where to focus their gaze specifically on the girls, because she could find that they would be subconsciously, often in most cases, kind of sexualizing uh, these girls. Um, like, again, it's just very interesting that you have how hard you have to work to try and remove that or counter that as part of, kind of the creative process.
2: That was the other point. The, but we ended up calling them because um, Wolfwalkers was out around about the time I was teaching it, I think, one, one of the times anyway. And I'd seen Wolfwalkers and I was teaching this and it is Wolfwalkers, the the animated cartoon
0: Yes, the, that's the yeah. cartoon saloon one. I'm more concerned by what Andrew's doing in the corner of the screen, but sorry. <laughs> so in Wolfwalkers... Sorry. The, no,
1: no, no, go ahead I, I, I fucking no. <laughs> I've got audio issues I,
0: I... Did you break up the, Did you break the sound, the one thing I asked?
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't know why it happened and it, 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 it won't record now It won't Just take out all of my stuff
0: It's not good anyway, I'm sorry okay. No, no, um, okay,
2: sorry, Yes. Yeah, the wolf, the, so anyway when I came back from that, I went to the class and I loved walkers. but there's, there's the pack of wolves and they're all on top of each other in, in the film and then we were watching those scenes and that's what they're like. They're like a, I know it's called Mustang, but they're like a pack of wolves all, all on top of each other at the beginning. And I loved how slowly but surely by the end they're pretending to swim. There's only two of them left and those shots are, are, are no longer there. And then it gets darker and darker, like actually darker. And how they've used those kind of, that kind of the the, the, the language itself is telling you what's going on as well as not just uh, not just the story or the characters of the dialogue that visually you can see they're no longer a pack, there's only two. And then the last shot when they're at the wedding and, and it's looking up at their faces and it's the last time they'll ever be together. So the next time you see any kind of wolf pack shot is in the dark after the funeral and it's and, and they're not lying in the same manner. They're kind of lateral, I think, across across the screen. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that was great attention to detail. And you just very well thought out, very well executed. And very artistic and and something that, as a teacher, you bring into class and you know that one of them is going to come back to you in a couple of weeks and say, I saw this in a movie, sir. And they'll have taken it and transferred their knowledge to another film that hopefully, I hate to say it again, isn't Fast and Furious. Uh
0: (laughs) But yeah, um, again, she's she's talking (laughs) about the idea that, that this is one organism with five heads, ten legs and ten arms. And so as the movie goes on, you have the diminishing of that organ. That organism, where you have, you have the loss, the separation, the tearing of it apart. The the starfish loses its limbs um, as the movie goes on.
2: Kind of like Um, Vin Diesel losing members of his family as the. No, sorry. No, no, but
0: he he never actually. They always come back, comedy. They always come back. Sometimes they have amnesia, but they always come back. (laughs) Just other stuff in terms of kind of shooting. They've talked about like shooting this in in Turkey and shooting this around the Black Sea area. Um, they had to. Like, she's talking about when they got co-funding from Turkish producers, they did it by not telling them what the film was about, apparently. Um, she's talking about how like, when she went to France, she had to produce documents in three different languages in like ten different formats. You know, like a one-page treatment, a ten-page treatment, a script in three languages, all this sort of stuff. Um, but when they were filming in Turkey, apparently they didn't share any of the content of the film with any of the people they were collaborating with. Um, And they also said that, like, when they were shooting stuff on location, a lot of it was very much like hit the ground running, almost guerrilla style. So when they're shooting, for example, the scene where Eki's making out in front of a bank, um, they literally had to... The location manager almost had a heart attack when we shot that film. Um, That's not what you told me you were going to do, he said. Um, I'm protecting you so much from so many things. Um, but it does give a sense of kind of the tension of making that movie in Turkey under those conditions. It's not quite, as Connor said, shooting the film from inside your car. Um, but it does kind of capture a sense, I think, of like how difficult it was to get this
2: movie made. And there's real tension in that scene as well. I mean, not so much after seeing it a number of times, but there's real tension. And sitting with the, with the students watching it the first couple of times with the two classes, like they think, oh, she's going to get caught. She is going to get caught and she's getting a beating. Because it could quite easily have happened within the context of the film. So that, yeah, and it's so simply done.
0: And Natasha, then, anything you want to say, anything we haven't discussed or anything you want to mention just regards the movie?
3: I'm trying to think, because I always, I felt felt like I definitely, I feel like I I have so much to say about it, but... Um, I think we've covered like stuff that that really jumped out at me um, in terms of shooting kind of authorship. We've, we've all talked about that. And I think kind of what it symbolizes and it's thematic concerns and it's characterization, which I think is really at the heart of it all. Um, so I think I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you another voice recording <laughs> later. <laughs> we we
0: could sub it in. Um, yeah, yeah. Sub it in for Andrew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and again, just before we wrap up, then I think it is worth noting we talked about like the difficulty getting this movie made um, as a as a woman film director, the challenges she faced in doing that. Like it's very notable that you know again, while many male directors will make many many terrible movies that have bad reception and go on to have long 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 careers, it's notable that Ergovan got to make Mustang, which was this movie that was rapturously received, uh, which earned a substantial amount of money and which was nominated for the Best Foreign Film Oscar. And then afterwards, she got to make her passion project, which was Kings. And I will be the first to acknowledge that Kings is a bad movie. It was poorly reviewed, and it made no money whatsoever. It features maybe Daniel Craig's worst American accent, which is quite an accomplishment. But that underperformed and since then she has not made a feature she's moved into directing television she's directed episodes of i think the first for example and she's directed episodes like the handmaid's tale but it, again it there's that illustration of the double standard that exists when it comes to who, who gets second chances and what director jail represents and it's a real shame
3: yeah. think, that she hasn't I, I I thought I saw that on her IMDb as well because I was like, What else is this what else has she done since Mustang? This was so great and so well received and then I saw the Kings thing. Um, it you're right, it doesn't look good and you're right, that sort of story should probably not be in, like mm-hmm. told by or written by somebody who is very different. you know what I mean? Only
0: Only been to Los Angeles while researching the script, you know, that she's decided she's writing anyway.
3: Exactly. Um, (laughs) Completely. And yeah, I saw how badly it was reviewed and then nothing after for a long, long time. Uh, And, you know, myself and my contemporaries, who are also women, kind of talk about how, you know, in a lot of cases, I hate to say it, but men fail upwards. And, you know, sometimes it's really bad. It can be really, really hard if your film has a woman isn't like spectacular and it can't even just like i know kings was was obviously a bad film and that's that's grand but like like you're saying like where's the next chance do you know what i mean um from that and i'm not necessarily saying you know she should be allowed to do that again that kind of thing but like if she was allowed to do like another mustang of some description
0: well tom hooper as we mentioned is a male director who has gotten <laughs> yeah. like he will survive cats he has survived cats um,
3: exactly you know and there's no cats it's um, a pity because i would love to see some something else that she has done that has obviously her own voice in it like mustang rather than kings which is oh i don't know what that well I'm not really sure what that was, what she was even going for. But uh, certainly, yeah, I thought that was very startling. When I looked up her IMDb yesterday, I thought it was very startling, you know.
0: Yeah, I had seen Kings and I had not known it was her. Right. Um, It was one of those where it's like, this feels like somebody was given a lot of money that they should not have been given to do something they should not have done. Um, I had no idea that there was the connection here until retroactively. I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen that movie. Um yeah. God. My God. Yeah. But as, as as we point out, like there are it's it's a it's a double standard that exists. It's the same thing that happens with Patty Jenkins, where like Patty Jenkins makes Fecan um Monster, which makes a shed load of money, wins Shirley's theron an Oscar, and then doesn't get to make another movie for the better part of a decade. And then she makes Wonder Woman and a second Wonder Woman. And then Hollywood's like, no, I'm afraid not. You don't get to make your Star Wars movie or your third Wonder Woman movie. It is. Yeah, it is kind of frustrating that it's like you you come out of this period where people are like, you know, we're acknowledging that this cultural problem exists and we're going to try and fix it. And it's like, yeah, have, we, have we really? I have, wouldn't. Oh, sorry. I
1: wouldn't. I I I I guess I, I I wouldn't wish a a Star Wars movie on any director.
0: That is fair. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is that is very fair. Is that, um, you, there, you know, there are plenty of mediocre you, white men who have not got to make their Star Wars movies either. To be fair, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's
1: like I I I feel like I've got a really interesting vision that people are really going to enjoy it. And you know what? The studio might disagree with some of my things, but, you know, we'll we'll, we'll make it together and this yeah. will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Colin Trevorrow bounces from Book of Henry to directing like several <laughs> Jurassic World movies. Um, anyway, that is a sorry, very depressing note to end on. Apologies for that. Um, Andrew, do, is there any of the regular 250 nonsense in Mustang?
1: I couldn't think of any uh, regular 250 nonsense.
0: Robocop reference?
1: Uh no, I'm struggling. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it 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 there 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 are times when our our stupid podcast seems <laughs> yes. like even more stupid. When yeah yeah when 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 we have to apply our 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 normal rubric <laughs> to, <laughs> to to it to like um I I sorry I hesitate to call it a serious movie because it's so fun. Um, but yeah.
0: All right, then.
1: I can't think of anything.
0: All right, then. What we normally do at the Ambilical House is we ask our guests for recommendations. However, this season, we are asking for comparative texts. We're asking for our guests to recommend something that might pair nicely with Mustang. So to give Connor, to give Natasha a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first.
1: Um, I'm going to recommend uh, Persepolis. Uh, the I suppose there there is the movie, but there also the, the 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 graphic novel, if that's allowed on the leaving. It story. was it was uh, on the leaving uh, circle. It was on the leaving. Oh, three, good. Yeah. The, 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 just the movie or
2: no the no. graphic novel?
1: The graphic novel. Okay. Um. Uh, great. Yeah. So I'd recommend that. Uh. It's a it's another kind of funny, uh, moving story of a a young girl, um, growing up in in a uh, repressive society and um and it's very funny and 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 very sad and it kind of stays with you it's terrific
2: it's reading i, I taught that for a year uh, for one one class and reading that made me realize i needed to get my eyes tested again just thought i'd <laughs> tell that story. one of the students said sir stop stop reading it i'll read it for you sit down you can't see a thing can you i said no i can't <laughs> so, anyway
1: well co- comic books can be like that can't they like the 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 type can be very kind of scrunched together, can't it? I, I, oh, particularly indie yeah.
0: books where you have smaller.
1: Yeah,
2: games. but I'd read it before. You see, it was my own copy, so yeah, I just realised, oh my god, I'm getting really old. My eyesight is getting worse. I'm gonna have to. Go. <laughs> anyway, interesting, interesting book to teach. Actually, is good.
0: And Natasha, what would be your comparative text?
3: So. When I was watching it, Persepolis was the first thing that came to mind as well. And then you've mentioned it again, but my my comparative, my key comparative text then after was probably Little Women. But then today I was thinking Virgin Suicides, and you said it earlier as well. Virgin Suicides, I think, is a really good comparative text. Um, seeing as how they've both Persepolis and Virgin Suicides has been mentioned, I'll stick with Little Women because I think it's very different, and the approach to marriage and stuff is very different. Um, and of course, it's in a very um, we're both, we're getting a female lens as well through these, you know, through which we're seeing all this stuff play out, but again, Little Women is also through both sisterhood and growing up and expectation and and that kind of thing, and there's a very different matriarchal character in both, I think that provides a very rich comparative text. Uh, so yeah, that's my comparison, Little Women. Mm-hmm.
2: And Connor? I have three. I went for Barbie, Greta Gerwood's Barbie. Uh, I think it's quite straightforward but the patriarchy etc and in a kind of even more heightened world um and correct good
0: call on andrew saying that that would not make the 250 despite my optimism about the lifts the lists uh, changing and shifting sensibilities Barbie did hasn't made the two fifty. Barbie did not make the two fifty for exactly the reasons that you suspect that it did not make the two fifty.
2: Because David Quinn was giving out too much, about, was Rosie. I've got two more. <laughs> <of them. laughs> uh, Angela Carter, The Bloody Chamber, and other stories. Uh, they're kind of um, fairy tale stories rewritten from a feminist perspective, and brilliant. I've used a couple of those in class, actually. Um, they it's it's well worth your read. And then the last one was Holly McNish's... A kind of memoir and book of poetry called Nobody Tell Me, and Holly McNish writes these kind of spoken writes spoken word poetry, um, very honest and very forthright. And this book is like that. It's about the birth of her first child, and it's again, it's very honest and very forthright, and a very a, a, a realistic and a very real portrayal of, uh, or so I'm told, of what it's like to be a woman um, during that period of of your life. Um, your poetry
3: is great. That's really good. Yeah.
2: She, i saw her once in, in in cork and i think there was only five of us but she was brilliant <laughs> she was she was absent she was captivating she was fantastic and because there's only five of us she came down and had a chat with everybody afterwards so it was lovely but anyway that, they're my three recommendations um
0: and from myself uh again i i was going to Persopheles was the first thing that came to mind and also um kind of I guess I will recommend The Virgin Suicides because that was a point of comparison. I was thinking about it a lot while watching the movie. Uh, its visual language reminded me a lot of Sophia Coppola's cinematic adaptation. But also like Jeffrey uh, Eugenides' kind of like original novel, which is very interesting because it gets that idea of authorship and perspective where it is the story of these girls, but it's framed through the perspective of the boys talking about them. So you have this interesting lensing going on of kind of whose story it is. And then you have Sophia Coppola coming and then re-lensing it where you have a story that is kind of refracted. So you have what was a story told from a male perspective, looking at these women, becoming a story about a woman looking at these men, looking at these women, which I find really interesting as well. Uh, And then less of that lensing, self-aware kind of framing device, Um, Alison Backdale's uh, Fun Home which is a memoir graphic novel, which is is very good. Uh, but I saw the musical when it was performed um, at the gate here in Dublin. Um, I would wholeheartedly recommend that. That is a version, it's her own account of her own coming of age, told in her own unique style. Um, I think it, it, it makes a very worthy companion piece to something like this. I think it's very worth kind of seeking out. Um, all right, then. So... If listeners are looking for a bit more Natasha in their lives, where can they find you? What's at? Uh,
3: You can probably go to my website, natashawall.ie. So I have a little bit more information about myself and stuff about my work. I am on Twitter, but I try to be on Twitter less and less and less these days. um, (laughs) But otherwise, so I'd say the website's the best place to go. Or if you find me skulking around the hallways of UCD in the film department. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we should specifically single out like some of your, your film work in particular. Like You've made a number of really great short films. The one that really stuck with me is, is Terminal, uh, which yeah. is from 2016. It's a film I associate with the repeal movement. But I think that's available on your Vimeo, am I correct in saying yeah,
3: that? Yeah, that's on Vimeo. Uh, I've got another few short films there. So I have Mother, that I directed a couple of years after, um, which is about a woman who's family replacer with a refrigerator so it's a very different tone but it's lots of fun Uh, it was written by Jonathan Hughes and it stars Hilary Rose and uh also yeah I've got a couple of other things up there and some music videos and commercials and stuff I did recently I did a a commercial for the consent campaign that Dublin Rape Crisis Centre are running this year uh that people might have seen pop up on YouTube and things like that before they wanted to watch their actual video uh so it's uh yeah it was a great great ad to do uh which came out in March so
0: Perfect. Um, and we'll include links to all those in the show notes as well. Um, Connor, what about yourself? Where can we find you? What chat while you up
2: You'll find me on Twitter at Connor Smurf. And I'm going to use these, This my, my little stint here as a launch pad into yes! my own podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, wow. Called The Video Trolley, because I have another account called The Video Trolley. I kind of use it every now and again. I, I have a blog called The Video Trolley. So that's going to be launching when this is finished. I hope that's the timing of it. Use all of your fans will can come over. And the idea of the video trolley is like just 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes looking at one scene from movies, one specific scene so that teachers can use them in the class if they want as a springboard to disagreement. So a very different (laughs) sort of
0: podcast than our own. (laughs) Um, But yes, that's the video trolley. This will be coming out on the 23rd of September. So listeners can expect a video trolley episode before, after, during.
2: Probably after. Probably right. after. I'd say beginning of October, so I'll have to move it back a bit. But, okay. Uh, so, you know, it's great brilliant. fun making them. My son's helping me with, with the technology and with Spider-Man. He's waiting. We're going Turn. to record a Spider-Man. He's 11. So he's going to be helping me with my <laughs> Spider-Man. Mode. Can you tell us which Spider-Man, uh, which scene? Oh, it's Spider-Man. Oh, no, we don't. he has to decide. I'm letting him decide the okay. scene. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's the animated one, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse oh, is on okay. the junior cycle. Um, oh, so so cool. he in classes yeah. right now. So he's going to pick the scene. And then we're going to record our little podcast.
0: Now I'm really disappointed, though, you're not going to do the spider dancing scene from Spider-Man 3, because I feel like you could have a really good discussion. About
2: <laughs> it you, uh... We will, we will, you know, we'll do so. We will actually, we'll do the dance while recording the podcast. That's what we'll do. And we'll have a video of that. <laughs> and I'll get my hair just right. <laughs> uh,
0: listen, this can't see, but he is slicking it back as we speak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, okay, we will be back next week. We'll be finishing off our back-to-school season. Uh, we'll be covering the one remaining film on the Leaving Cert curriculum that we have not yet covered. That is Elia Kazan's On the Waterfront, starling, starling? starring Marlon Brando. Not Starling Marlon Brando. Um, and joining us for that discussion will be the one the only donald clark in what i am sure will be a very interesting very heated discussion <laughs> that is perhaps a little more timely than we had anticipated being thank you so much connor thank you natasha for coming on um, thank you
3: so much for, for this has been great no it's great been an absolute so pleasure thank so you so much, much guys.
0: natasha right.
1: thank you you. Thanks, thanks
3: thanks Bye. Bye. Hey!